0: Hey dragons, welcome to episode 13 of the Dumbos and Dragons podcast. This episode is with Chris Minis. He is an amateur bodybuilder and bodybuilding competition promoter. We are promoting the MPC West Coast coming up here in Riverside, California on June 18th. I hope to see everybody there. I also wanted to take a minute just to say thank you to everyone who has rated us and reviewed us on iTunes. I do read all of those personally, and I do want to incorporate some of your comments and suggestions into the show. The first of which to Joel Chorney, who said he really enjoys the theme song, but wants an opportunity to hear the entire thing. This episode, at the end, we will play the entire song, Roll a D6, by Assorted Intricacies. So if you like it, head over to Amazon or iTunes. Uh, download that. It's a great song. Definitely good pump up gym music. And secondly, to broadcast girl 012, we will be talking about Harry Potter in 2 weeks. So 2 weeks from today, get ready. Should be a good episode. Without further ado, here's Chris. In the rolling down. Play, we do it right candle Hey again dragons this is Kenny Rotter your host of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast where we mix nerd and fitness culture to break down barriers. Today I'm very excited to be joined by Chris Minez. And we are talking about bodybuilding and the NPC West. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing real good. How about you? I'm doing really well. Um, today's been the first week I've actually been hitting it really hard 100% again in the gym. So I'm very excited about that. Nice. That's always motivating. You start to get in there and, and feel the juices flow. Oh, yeah. When you get the pump when you haven't felt it in a couple <laughs> weeks, it's great.
1: I remember that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now. You and I met a few months ago, briefly, when I was covering one of your bodybuilding competitions, the Ferrigno Legacy. But why don't you go ahead, before we get into that, why don't, we, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone out there a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm an amateur bodybuilder who kind of stumbled into um, some really awesome things, maybe uh, things that mm, anybody would dream to be part of. I got to, uh, I started a bodybuilding show about six years ago, the Tahoe show. And that was, you know, the motivation for that was really, I saw what was going on in bodybuilding and I knew I could do better. Um, I knew I could do better because I have a background in marketing, events management. I have a business degree. So I saw what was going on. I was like, these guys deserve more than that. So I started the Tahoe show and because people could see, you know, the the genuine effort I put in and and the level of production, it kind of caught the eye long well, story short, caught the eye of Lou Ferrigno. And I ended up producing his show. And uh, and I'm also producing the uh, NPC West Coast in partnership with uh, Lonnie Teeper. And if you don't know who Lonnie is, he's a, he's been around the industry for about 20 years. He's a host of the Arnold. He's host, uh, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of some of the top shows in the world. So.
0: I know I did see, I've been to a few different bodybuilding competitions. And I want to say being at yours was one of the most Uh, professional and easy to access and navigate that I've ever been. And it was just very smoothly run. Everything went pretty much according to plan, at least from what I saw from a spectator's point of view.
1: Awesome. I appreciate that feedback. That's good to hear. And I try to look at it as I, I know as a competitor myself, I know what it feels like to have no carbs in your brain and to be in a new place and be lost. My girlfriend's a pro, so I go with her to shows all the time and I see what she goes through just trying to figure out where to go, where to, you know, how to get things done. And it's hard, you know, and I just wanted to make it as easy as possible from a spectator standpoint and, of course, from a, from a competitor standpoint.
0: Yeah. So do you have anything specific that you do differently? I don't want, I mean, obviously, I don't want you to talk. Bad about any other bodybuilding shows, but just how do you run yours differently?
1: The way I do it differently is I do everything differently. I look at each, so basically, I have a 12 month plan, basically, bullet points for 12 months. And I look at each bullet point and say, how can I do this better? And I literally go down the list of how can I sell tickets better? How can I have a better trophy? How can I have a better medal? How can I make it easier to check in at your hotel? Every single item I go through and make sure that I am doing it the best.
0: That's excellent. And I do know for a fact, we were discussing this before we started recording, that for the Ferrigno, you absolutely do have the best trophy in bodybuilding. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> it, it was one of the most re-tweet, retweeted and re-Instagram photos that our account got when I posted it when I was at The Legacy.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> Great to
0: hear. So I think a lot of people love that trophy, and the fact that I got to be about two feet away from it was <laughs> pretty much one of the coolest things that I could have experienced. Nice. Um, and if, if anyone hasn't seen those photos, I will attach some to the show notes page so everyone can take a uh, just a look at that awesome trophy. And hopefully people... We'll get into bodybuilding just to win that trophy. Yeah,
1: I, I swear, there's some Lou Ringel fans out there. who are like, all
0: right, time to hit the gym. I <laughs> want that thing. <laughs> Excellent. Now, uh, tell us about one of your heroes, either a fictional hero, a superhero, or a source of inspiration.
1: Uh, you know, I've never been a somebody who I kind of forged my own path. But it, you know, in saying that, you might have heard that or seen the meme or heard the phrase, you know, you know, work so hard until your heroes become your your competition. Well, I think i worked so hard that my hero became my business partner. And that, that's, that's mm-hmm. Lou Ferrigno. Um, you know, I've been looking at his books and watching pumping iron since I was young. And, uh, you know, I remember the first time sitting in his living room and, and realizing that the Ferrigno legacy was going to be real. Um, it was a real special. And I still sit back, you know, after knowing him for years and, you know, gone through a lot with him um so he like holy am i allowed to curse on this <laughs> yeah, yes absolutely <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like holy shit i cannot as an amateur bodybuilder i'm just sitting here in lou brittner's house and this is so cool and i'm doing videos with lou and whoa um and in addition with lou i think i i'm a big you know as an entrepreneur i i of course arnold's a hero but he's more of a hero as an entrepreneur to me Seen where he came from. He's an immigrant. My father was an immigrant, so I can relate in the, in that um, respect. And I watched him come from nothing to everything. And it's all he, he's very calculated and how he did that. Uh, another one be Jim Manion, also self-made, got himself where he is today. You know, he just he he forged his own path. And you know, Charles Bronson outside the industry. That'd be another one from Virgin. Again, he marches by the beat of his own drum and. I kind of see myself as that way. I'm, I'm kind of uh, crazy, <laughs> and I think you have to be a little crazy to uh, to accomplish things that other people aren't doing. And a lot of people told me I'm nuts along the way. A lot of people told me I'd fail along the way, and you know that's just that's just fuel for me. Yeah, Keep telling me I'm gonna fail. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well,
0: absolutely, and I think that it's the crazy people that change the world. You've got people like. Elon Musk, who he founded Tesla, people said he was crazy when he gave away the patents to all of his electric cars and the oh, batteries. That's
1: that genius. And
0: yeah. it's, it's, he's, his excuse for that was when they were asking him about it, he goes, let's say we're all on a sinking ship and huh. I've got a design for a really good bucket. Why wouldn't I give that to everybody? Cause we're all sinking. Yeah, that's, so, a well, that's the truth. Yeah. And, and I think it takes the special kind of crazy to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish in our chosen fields. So if anyone tells you you're crazy, take it as a compliment.
1: I will. Thank <laughs> you. I need to hear that every now and then.
0: <laughs> anytime, man. Anytime. We're, we're here to, uh, motivate and inspire and just, uh, in, in that same likeness, uh, uh, Lou Ferrigno's social media is some of the most positive social media, motivating social media that I've come across.
1: that's good to hear, you know, and that's Lou Ferrigno. You know, here's somebody who's got—he's just a positive influence. He's got no scandals. You know, he's, he's got a great family, beautiful, loving wife who cares so much about them. I'm—I'm yeah, I'm like the uh, the stepson in that family, and, <laughs> you know. And, and you go through, it. and there they are a passionate. Italian family. And when you're not (laughs) Italian, that's a little bit like, holy shit, everybody's screaming at each other. And and then the next day, they're all, it's all good again. And you're like, all right, this is going to take a little getting used to. (laughs) It's because they have so much passion for each other. They just love each other so much. And it's awesome to be part of a family like that.
0: Well, and it's always great to hear when the people you admire are worthy of your admiration. Yeah. Yeah. And they are. Absolutely. So, Let's get into, you said you're a amateur bodybuilder. Let's get into some of the fitness questions. What is your current attitude towards fitness?
1: Um, well, obviously, it's I, I train every day. I'm uh, competing in the MPC Puerto Rico in a week and a half. Um, my girlfriend is an IFBB figure pro, and she's competing in the IFBB Puerto Rico in a week and a half. Um, so we're kind of like on the same team uh, with our diet and with our training. Um, she, you know, for me, I want to really see her go to the Olympia this year. I think she's got a good chance. She came into the Arnold Australia with incredible changes and we changed everything up, got rid of her coach and I did all her prep and it it came out. It was amazing. Um, and for me personally, I just want to, I want to win a show. I keep getting second. place. I'm actually qualified, yeehaw, but I keep getting second place. So I'm hoping this is my first place and then I'm going to quit. <laughs> 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 well, I never, I'll probably never really quit, but I, I'm so much more energized by doing what I'm doing on the promoting side that uh, it, it, at this point, if you want to be a real bodybuilder and you want to crush it as a bodybuilder, you want to be an IPE pro, you can't really do anything else. And with what I have going on, it something is going to break, you know, either I'm going to fail being a bodybuilder or I'm going to fail being a promoter and right now I'm willing to walk away from being a, a pro, you know, giving up the idea of being an IFBB pro.
0: Okay. And I think that's, you know, you passions can change. Yeah. And so if you are getting if you're feeling more fulfilled from the behind the scenes stuff and the promoting, then that's where you put your efforts. And I don't think I think elements of bodybuilding and elements of nutrition are, it's a lifestyle, so you never really give it up. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And when I think about, you know, it all comes back to my impact that I feel like I can have on the bodybuilding world. You know, it's the reason I started all this was I really wanted to have a positive impact. Now, even as some of the highest level IFBB pros, could I have have the same kind of impact that I could have by putting on the best highest level shows in the world? And I've already seen that I, by putting on the, the best for no legacy out there, you know, the only one that I'm able to have a positive impact. I'm, I'm watching the other promoters see what I'm doing. They're trying to copy what I'm doing. And I'm glad about that. That was my goal was I wanted to change everything and I can do that as a promoter, but I'm never going to do it as an Ivy League pro.
0: Yeah. That's actually a really good outlook. And again, it's kind of that crazy mentality of (laughs) you've got a better bucket and now you're letting everyone else have access to that. So it changes, the change comes faster instead of gradually. Right. Exactly. Now what do you consider your current areas of strength and where would you like to improve?
1: Well, I I mean, as far as lifting, I assume. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I've been a, i have been I actually started out as a power lifter, um, where I grew up in Vermont, and Vermont was more power powerlifting scene than a bodybuilding scene. And uh, the first time I deadlifted, it was kind of uncanny. I, I pulled like 405 or 455, something like that. Um, The first time ever, and I was probably like 180, and I I like stopped. Like, this is, I'm going to hurt myself. Why can I do this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and then I, I I ended up, I continued to do it until I, um, you know, I have lots of powerlifting, uh, done deadlift records where I've pulled 650. And, uh, so that is definitely my strongest. I hadn't deadlifted in several months. And then yes, two days ago I did 455 for 10. So that's definitely like my strong point. I figured out where it came from. Like I said, I grew up in Vermont and as a kid, like I didn't, you know, there wasn't really video games or so there was, but it wasn't like now. Um, but everybody in Vermont has like 60 acres, 50 acres, and I was no exception and, um, I would go out in the woods and I would like build dams and, you know, dig holes and do things that Vermont kids did. And I realized like, I was like 10 years old and I would just pick up these 200 pound rocks and walk them into place. And I did that my entire time as a little kid. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is why I can just pick up 450 with no problem. <laughs> so
0: yeah, that, that
1: would be my strongest.
0: <laughs> and where would you like to improve?
1: Uh, you know, I'd say my arms are never big enough. Um, you know, it's one of those things, you know, when you look at body, you know, it's always the big arms. Um, part of why I'm a good deadlifter is I have long arms, so it's hard to make them, it's hard to get them the, that crazy, you know, Arnold head on it. Um, yeah. I like to see that. Yeah, you know, the legs would. I'd like them to be bigger, but I don't know that it's possible. Just because there's little acute injuries all through my back, my legs at this point, and uh, you know they are what they are. Yeah, you know, they're, they're decent, but you know those are the two places I'd really like to see the most improvement. If I had a magic wand.
0: <laughs> you do have a magic wand. It's called the gym. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's it's funny how we have those those little things that we see everyone else can see as close to perfection as you know they can say oh your arms are huge your chest looks great your legs your calves look great and people are always wondering why we're still working on those aspects
1: it's almost a curse to the longer you've been in this industry the better you get at seeing flaws. Yes. <laughs> and, if, you know, if I look like the way I look now 10 years ago, I would have been elated. <laughs> but now, now I know what perfect looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it up close and personal so many times. i like, I'm so far from it that, you know. That... <laughs> well,
0: and it's, it's actually you know what your idea or what the judge's idea of perfection looks I, like, you know, because – For everyone who thinks that bodybuilders are the perfect type of body, there's somebody else who's like, it's not really my thing. And that's totally cool. Yeah, absolutely. Either in promoting or bodybuilding or your entrepreneurship, when in your life did you ever experience a a failure? And what did that teach you?
1: Sure. Um, You know, failure, it's kind of relative because when I think about that question, I don't think that I've ever failed. Because I think you fail when you don't learn something from it. if You don't become better from it. So how can anything be an absolute failure if you still benefited in the end? Yeah, you may have not, it may have not gone the way you expected it to, but you still benefited in the end. And, you know, uh, here's my example. When I was 18, so I have a, I have a degree in ski resort management. I guess it, but that's, I have a business with a concentration in ski resort management. And from the time I was very young, like, Nine years old, I would draw ski resorts um, Then I went to school for it. when I was 18. By the time I was 23, I had my degree in ski resort management. I had chosen a mountain in British Columbia, and it was going to be the biggest ski resort on the planet. And I went there twice. I brought snowmobiles up there. I chartered an airplane. I brought a video crew. I, I built scale maps of these things. I reached out to the Canadian government, and I built a, a 300-page master plan for this project. I went to an investor in San Francisco, and here I was, 23 years old, you know, never having run a ski resort before. He goes, Do "You want a half a billion dollars for a ski resort?" I'm like, "No, I don't want a half. I just want five million right now to get me started." And then he's like, "No." <laughs> and then the industry changed a little bit, and uh, the way I had planned to finance it got somebody else figured out and played it out. So it's like it's no longer really an option anymore. So I was kind of too young for the ideas I wanted. But was it a failure? By no means was it a failure because I learned how to write a master plan. I learned how to write letters to the Canadian government. You know, <laughs> I learned how to how to do GIS mapping. You know, it an was, it was, unlimited amount of learning came from that. So I don't see it as a failure at all. I see it as a step towards the entrepreneurial success I've had today.
0: Well, absolutely. And I think that's really one of the common threads Uh, that I've learned from having people on this podcast, Uh, all people I admire, all people who are excelling in their chosen fields, no one thinks that they've failed because everyone has a very similar attitude that it is. It is as long as you learn something and as long as you keep moving forward and don't let it get you down, you haven't really failed glad they agree with me <laughs> Yeah. and and i i i said this recently and i was like i want to fail so much that it becomes a habit so that it no longer has any control over me through fear yeah so I no longer totally, fear failure
1: totally lose fear and those like you know we talk about we keep saying crazy those crazy ideas that that we've had you know if you're not afraid to fail you put them in place and holy shit, they work, you know? Yeah. It's great, you know, get rid of that fear and you'll nothing can stop.
0: Well, yeah, and I'm sure along the way you heard you need half a billion dollars to do this. You're never going to get it. Maybe someone at the Canadian government gave you a hard time or maybe the first investor you went to gave you a hard time or anything like that, but you kept trying and then eventually something happened and you moved on.
1: Exactly. Yeah. A ton of learning.
0: So I'm a little scared to ask you this next question (laughs) because you and I have had a little bit of conversation about uh, the bodybuilding diet and what bodybuilders have to do physically to be in peak performance condition. Mm -hmm. So first, what, what does a bodybuilder have to do to get ready for a... A show
1: oh, where do you start you know depends on i guess it, the question is where do you start where did you start um you know typically we think of it as 12 weeks out and uh it is you know it's, it's the cliche stuff it's consistency which it is you know it is it's is having that plan that diet plan more than anything else it's having that diet plan and following it because you can train the exact same way As every day, if the diet plan's not in place, it's not going to happen. Um, but in doing that, you know, you were, you have to give up so much stuff. Um, you know, touching on what we spoke about earlier, can you be a pro bodybuilder and run a multi-million dollar corporation? Probably not. You know, definitely not by yourself. Definitely you're not. You're not on the um, on the ramping up version of that. Yeah, if you have a multi million dollar company and you've got everybody in place, okay, go ahead, go be a pro But really where where I'm at, you have to I yeah you have to give everything up in your life. And uh, you know, that's not something for me for the long term, but I respect, have a ton of respect for the people who have been able to do that. You know, what's that mean giving stuff up? It means giving up your cognitive function. It means giving up on your social life and then giving up on the things that we just think are fun, alcohol, food um, you know partying, going on vacation you know, you can't, you know, I was trying to go I was traveling through Europe thinking that I was going to be prepping, well that whole time I was prepping instead I put on 20 pounds (laughs) (laughs) you know and I sat there, I I was in Serbia I'm like Huh. Well, when I die, will I be happy I didn't eat any of this amazing food or will, be, will I be happy that I did? And uh, I so, you know, I'd rather eat that, uh, that rotisserie pig that's sitting in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> here trying to eat chicken breast. So, you know, it's, it's constant sacrifice. And to sum it all up, without getting into details of you need this many carbs or macros or drugs or supplements or whatever, you know, to sum it up, you, you have to be
0: willing to give up a lot all I've played so hard I I find that to be the case with any with almost anything not just bodybuilding I mean you know Steph Curry wants to be the best basketball player he's doing something to improve on that pretty much all the time if somebody wants to be the best electrical engineer in their field or the best surgeon the best doctor it they really it is a matter of sacrifice
1: you know, but the I guess the big difference between, you know, those examples, and I totally agree with you that they have to put everything into that. So as they put everything into that, they're getting paid. Uh, that that's a difference than bodybuilding. I don't care if you're pro amateur, whatever, you're not if you're getting paid it's pennies. You know, you're not getting a ten thousand or hundred thousand dollar check every month. You know, you're getting a five hundred dollar sponsorship and you're scraping along any way you can. So when you give everything up, that also means giving up Your earning ability, and that makes it really tricky.
0: Wow, I I I actually never really thought of that. You're not having money come in, but you also have to spend a lot of money because eating healthy and getting that diet plan under control is not cheap. No,
1: you're adding supplements, you're adding coaches. the show is another thousand
0: dollars and then you gotta pay you know hotels, registrations, tanning I just wow I'm kind of having a a little bit of a revelation here because I never (laughs) actually really put two and two together because I mean unless you're Phil Heath or Kai Green you're not really making millions tons of money I mean, even I know so
1: many top-level pros that you know they're not making tons of money. Yeah, and they had to figure out a way. You know, it's hard to give
0: bodybuilding your all, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> I got no money left. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to pay my rent." <laughs> well, and and that's that's something that I think a lot of people have to take into consideration is how many how great would bodybuilding be if people didn't have to give up on that dream to go chase you know a steady paycheck yeah
1: yeah and on the like on a somewhat controversial side what it does is it makes our athletes vulnerable to sketchy opportunities
0: Oh, okay. You
1: know, and we see that they, you know, they gotta, they gotta pay their bills somehow. And then somebody says, "Hey, want to do this video for me?" You know, "Hey, want to mow my lawn here?" "Hey, want to send me your underwear?" And you're like, Uh, how much for my underwear?" <laughs> 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 Shit, that's like 16 pounds of protein. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> uh, it's unfortunate, and I'm super. I'm very protective of athletes. Um, you know, I, I do everything I can to make sure those people are around, but they are vulnerable in that way, and I. I always hope that the athlete is going to be strong enough to avoid those temptations because it's not good for anybody in the long run.
0: Yeah, and I think I think with the closest, if anyone's not familiar with the bodybuilding world, the closest parallel I could compare that to is maybe uh, NCAA athletes. I mean, there's stories about NCAA athletes. Yeah, they might have a scholarship to college, but there's stories about them being like, I can't afford money for food because anything anything given to them is considered against NCAA rules. Right. Yep. So, all right. On on the note of food, <laughs> and I'm sorry for bringing this up. You know, ten days away from your competition. <laughs> what is your favorite cheat meal?
1: You know, we uh, we up until a, a few weeks before the show, my girlfriend and I usually have a cheat meal celebration where we have a few hours where we do whatever we like. And, um, that girl, she's 108 pounds can eat me under the table. So I'll give you, you know, my, 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 our most recent one was one of my most favorite. Um, we bought an apple pie and then I bought, um, apple pie toppings and added that topping to the apple pie. Cause we know, the topping of the apple pie, like that crumb stuff is the best. Yes. So we doubled up on that. <laughs> she got a half a gallon of ice cream. I got a half a gallon of ice cream. She got a box of cookies. I got a box of cookies. And we went to town. What ended up happening was I ate about a half a box of cookies, half my ice cream, and about a third of the pie. She ate all of her stuff and all the stuff I had left over. (laughs) Where this girl was, I'm sitting there sick, like I'm going to throw up if I have another bite. And she's like, (laughs) just shoveling it down. (laughs) (laughs) We have been fantasizing about that cheat meal ever since, ever since that day. So I think that's my favorite right at the moment.
0: Well, if, you know, pro bodybuilding uh, figure competitions don't don't work out for her, she could be a competitive eater. She could.
1: It's insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Well, I wish you guys luck, and I hope you uh, take some photos and Instagram that uh, that cheat meal and y'all eating it. Uh, you know,
1: well, one thing we do is um, we eat a ton of donuts, right, the night before and the day before we get on stage. And it's night and day changed our physiques we find dunkin donuts works the best (laughs) Uh and i said that i thought about it because you know what happened was i would carb load like crazy and i would still look better on sunday you always hear that oh why do i look better on sunday instead of saturday night you know saturday morning and i realized when i was carb loading i wasn't adding very much fats and i was not adding any salt and so the donuts seem to be a perfect combination of fat carbs and salt and it fills you up and makes me more vascular than just carbs alone. So that it's a nice celebration we have the night before the show to eat about 12 donuts each. Oh,
0: that sounds awesome. Yeah. And I know people are like losing their mind. They're like, how are these people so healthy, but they're eating 12 donuts <laughs> and half gallons of ice cream? We don't do it every day. That's just, Yeah. day.
1: You know, I've talked about that. When I said, well, what do you think is worse, having 12 donuts once a week or having two donuts every day? Uh, I really think 12 donuts once a week. Is, is way
0: better, especially after leg day. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Um, are, are you guys located in the LA area at all? Um, we were, we lived
1: in Marina Del Rey about two miles from Gold's up until a couple of months ago. And then we actually moved up to Palm Desert so that I could be closer to the Fragnal Legacy venue. Okay. Yeah, the goal, the idea with the Fragnal Legacy is, well, 2017, we are, we're adding a 100,000 square foot expo and uh to to manage that kind of growth i need to be on site i can't do it from um you know from the beach
0: (laughs) yeah because i was gonna tell you i don't know if you heard but they're putting in a voodoo donuts at universal city okay that uh, that will be noted (laughs) so uh if you don't get any before then i will bring some down for you the next time we get together Excellent. I (laughs) will hold you to that. (laughs) All right. Being an entrepreneur, getting up every day and hitting the gym, it's got to take some motivation. You've got to constantly be pushing yourself. Do you have a mantra or a motto that just gets you moving?
1: You know, one of the things that constantly goes through my mind is, is the greatest risk is to put your destiny into someone else's hands. And that's, It kind of occurred to me when I realized, you know, people often feel like they're safer when they work for someone else, when they have a job and nine to five and a steady paycheck. That makes you more vulnerable than ever. Because in my life, I have, I don't depend on anybody for my paycheck except myself. And I trust myself and believe myself more than anybody who's ever employed me in my life. You know, so, so having that in my mind, that's what keeps me going. I, nobody... Nobody holds my fate except for me.
0: Okay, that's awesome. What we always ask everyone is what is your favorite area of nerdiness? Either favorite TV <laughs> show, comic book, movie, video game. What do you do when you're not meal prepping and at the gym? <laughs> <I'm> sleeping.
1: Um, <laughs> rare, I guess if when I zone out, when I try to shut my brain off, I, I like to watch cartoons. I. I, I realize as, as I'm on Netflix, I, I really don't watch any real <laughs> like real actors. Um, <laughs> Ar- Archer's by far my favorite. You know the typical Family Guy, like Brickleberry. like these are play. You know ways I can just totally check out mentally, and that's that's what I do for the full mental break. Um, Music wise, I also play guitar, so every now and then I'll, I'll bust out the guitar and uh, zone out there for a while.
0: Oh, excellent! And I I love Archer. Yeah, that's oh. the best cartoon
1: out there, and I watched the whole season like three days. <laughs> oh, um,
0: the season the last season just got on Netflix, and so my wife Veronica just got caught up. So now we're starting season seven, okay. and it's it's so great because we'll just after we watch, we'll just start quoting it to one another, <laughs> and it's just like we'll always be like
1: Lana. Lana,
0: Phrasing. Are we still doing Phrasing? Are no, we still doing Phrasing? <laughs> oh, I that show is so brilliant. I actually, I saw their uh their panel at San Diego Comic Con. Uh-huh. Oh, that has been good. They are some of the nicest, funniest, just most genuine people.
1: Yeah. I. Yeah. I mean, the way it comes across, even through a cartoon, it comes across. These freaking awesome people. I bet you. That a lot of you know they must record it before they animate it, right? So I'll bet you they go off sometimes, way off script, and they and they they put it in there.
0: Yeah, I think that happens more and more nowadays, mostly because animation is so. It, there's a faster turnaround these days right. than you know hand drawing I mean. hand drawing and <laughs> hand painting it. Yeah. So here's a question and. I hope the answer is yes, but I understand if it's no or if you just tell me no. Okay. Speaking of cartoons, do you watch My Little Ponies?
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say
0: the answer is no. I'm I'm not up on the My Little Pony. Okay. Should I be? <laughs> uh, yes, it, okay. it is actually hilarious and phenomenal writing, and I was gonna be like, oh man, you could be our first Brony on the show. Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix.
1: That's perfect. I've got so much cardio to do right now that I need more stuff to watch on Netflix. So I, the I person mean, next to me is going to see My Little Pony on my computer <laughs> on the phone in front of me. So I'll just deal with that.
0: No, um, <laughs> it's it's actually really funny. Or if you just need to just zone out, it's good for that. But they, I, I got it. There was this one song that they did where these three characters who are the underdog characters. I, I, I know this is totally like derailed into a conversation about my little ponies. <laughs> um, But they were singing a song about how they were going to uh, beat their competition. And that the, the refrain of the song was they had the hearts of horses. Mm-hmm. And I shared that song with my fantasy football league. And like, Three people were like, "Okay, this is now on our gym mix." One Oosh. guy was one. One guy was like, "Dude, I hate you. I've had that song stuck in my head for a week." Um, All right, it's so, on my
1: list. I'll be watching if, the next time we
0: talk. I'll report back. Oh god, if if I, it, I suppose I need to start with season one though, right? You know what? It's not very linear. So. I didn't think so. <laughs> um. There's not a lot of in-depth storytelling uh, character development. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, do, don't judge me for that. I won't, no. no. All right. So now, now that I've shared with you, what is one thing you're into that other people might find surprising?
1: Um, I, oh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm i a mountain biker and a skier. I know we kind of touched on that, but um, I would say that, Those, you know, I know people find it surprising when they see me coming down the mountain on a mountain bike. (laughs) Yeah. What fuck is this giant dude coming down the hill at 40 miles an hour? (laughs) I always say I'll never be the biggest bodybuilder in the world, but I'm definitely the biggest mountain biker in the
0: world. (laughs) That's awesome. I bet you know if the sun's out, you're casting this huge shadow at people.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah. You got and you got to take a picture of the shadow because it
0: looks (laughs) badass. that's excellent how'd you get into mountain biking
1: i grew up in vermont so it was okay. like it's just an hey um you know i'm a, I'm a as i mentioned i've a degree in ski resort management too so i'm a, uh, i'm a certified ski instructor certified ski patroller um you know so all those outdoorsy stuff is, is kind of how i grew up and i still do it excellent you didn't get uh, snowboarding at all no no i don't do sideways sports uh it's part of the. <laughs> You know, I, I, when snowboarding came out, I was a pretty good skier at that point, and I tried it. I was like, well, for one, why would I want to start over? But then also as I continued, um, as I got more into lifting and stuff, snowboarding is a very asymmetrical sport, and your body will develop asymmetrically. Uh, so it's really bad for a bodybuilder to snowboard because they're going to be all kinds out of whack. Okay. I can see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's you interesting. Know, one huge leg, one skinny leg. Um, I know I actually have had that problem because I tore my ACL a while ago. Mm. And when I when I could get back into the gym it was uh very off off centered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You did you snowboard, or is that how you did it?
0: No, no, uh flag football, actually. Um and it was it was hilarious. There's nobody around me, nobody touched me. (laughs) Um I planted wrong and shifted my weight and all of a sudden there was a pop. Uh, and everyone came up to me. They're like, there's literally, there's nobody around me for 15 yards. (laughs) And so I was just taken off. And then I was on the ground and people were like, what happened? What happened? And I was just like, I have no idea. But I was just like in so much pain. Like you got shot. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like a sniper got you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But everyone was really confused. They're like, why is he on the ground? (laughs) Um, now, if you could have any superpower, what would that superpower be?
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it counts as a superpower, but you've seen Limitless. Yes. Um, I want those Limitless pills uh, without the side effects. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just having that full. I just want to be as smart as I can. You know, that's what I enjoy. Is you know, and I think once you have that, you're able to do other heroic type things, you know, you're able to figure out things that other people can't, but it all starts with your brain. And that's, that's what I want is, you know, unlimited
0: brain power. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and it's like, how, how much time do we spend thinking about things that ultimately have no consequence when we could be thinking about other things? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I've often said that smartphones are, killing ah. boredom which is killing innovation yeah i mean imagine how many things people came up with just because there was nothing else to do
1: and i catch myself there all the time we all do i wish i could not be on social media you know we know that smartphones it's social media that's sucking us in we get that little uh, what do they say it's like a little um, morphine high essentially every time oh, you yeah. have a notification and it's absolutely addictive um, you know, and if I didn't require it for my business, I would not have it in my life. Um, and it's nice to go places, you know, I like to go camping or hot springs and things like that where there's, there's no service or skiing, you know, and it's no service. And then it's really exciting. And you've got like 14
0: new notifications. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I've, I've actually, I haven't been doing this as much, but I used to, I would leave my phone in uh the living room whenever I was getting ready for bed so it's just from the moment I start getting ready for bed until later in the day um you know or until I wake up the next morning I would there's no social media and it's like what do I do during that time I read I converse with my wife I play with my dogs yeah you know I I am enjoying this life that I'm working so hard for that's a smart. Idea. I I did that for about three days and then I forgot. So
1: <laughs> I need to keep doing that again. My I, I went to my sister's house. She's a hippie and Taba, and me and me and my girlfriend are on our phones like crazy. And she's like, "All right, I'm taking these away, takes them away, hides them from us." And within like ten minutes, like we're playing guitar and singing and telling stories. I'm like, that was yeah. genius of her. You know, this is how life should be, right?
0: Oh, I'm with you on that one. All right. What is one thing you did to work out and nerd out this week? Uh, well, the, uh, the easy answer on the fitness side
1: is, um, is is adjust my diet because I'm a week and a half out. And uh, I use a, I've use created a spreadsheet that I've worked on for probably about 10 years. It just evolves. And with this spreadsheet, you can enter in your weight, your body fat, your goals, be it a body fat loss goal or a body weight gain goal. Um, and it'll calculate your calories required for that goal to the 100th of a calorie. Um, and then it has a whole database set up where you can just choose whatever food you want from a drop-down menu, pick a serving size, and it'll automatically populate all the macros. So you can make sure that everything is exactly in line. I've actually shared that with a couple of people. One of them is Charles Glass. Like, he saw it for the first time and he's like, holy crap, Chris, can I, can I have that? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, here you go. Like, you know, you always, you'll always look at me and for free you know he'll I'll pose or he'll, he'll give me training but even if he'll see me in bulge but like, chris chris wait and he'll just like walk away from whoever he's with i didn't do it like this <laughs> uh, so it's got kind of, this great re- re- reciprocity um but he came up he's like i had somebody i just couldn't get to lose any weight that i did i used your plan and holy shit it was the first time anything ever worked and uh yeah and i one other person i gave it to and every i think almost every athlete he's ever prepped has gotten an overall with it it's a it's a pretty badass plan. My only problem with it is I can't follow it because I I don't know I'm putting on body shows. <laughs> <laughs> is
0: it is it a year round diet? Is it a 365 diet or is it just?
1: Um, it, it's it's designed to be changed. I mean I don't think you can make a 365 day a year based on the variables in your life. The spreadsheet does do a pretty amazing job of. Um, you know, if I say I want you to weigh 198.5 in 12 weeks, you'll weigh 198.5 or 6 <laughs> in 12 weeks. It's pretty incredible. But I wouldn't go on, go past that because, you know, oh, you went on vacation. Now you weigh 215 and the whole thing is screwed up. So you have to recalibrate it every time there's changed.
0: Okay. Okay. That sounds very involved and way beyond my knowledge level.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, you can you, to make to kind of summarize it. It's like you burn calories based on how much you weigh, right? It's right. your your caloric intake requirement changes if you're 200 versus 150 pounds. So if you're 200, you gotta change the caloric intake.
0: Okay. All right. So let's let's get into the meat and potatoes. Let's talk a little bit about uh, professional bodybuilding. As a sport. Now, how did you originally get started in bodybuilding?
1: Um, when I was in college, I took a class called Leadership in Business. And they explained that the manager or business leader who was bigger would be able to more easily accomplish what they want to do without having to be aggressive because people are naturally a little bit more intimidated of this person. <laughs> um, and, and they also said, you know, their tattoos are another thing. Like they had examples of business guys who roll up their sleeves, show their tattoos, and all of a sudden everybody falls in line. And I was like, I don't want tattoos, but I do like the idea of being a little bigger. I'm not aggressive at all. I've never been in a fight in my life. Um and I don't even like confrontation, <laughs> so uh, I put on this, I went to started going to the gym and I put on 10, 15 pounds, and my dad was always into it too, so I kind of, it was always in, my, in the back of my mind, um, and I just loved it, you know, that's when I learned that I could deadlift 400-something pounds without even trying, and uh, I put on that 10, 15 pounds in no time, and I was like, oh, I'll put on 50 more pounds, <laughs> so that's what I did, and I put on another 50 pounds. And, uh, just I just got in it and I realized it it taught me it, it taught me a lot of things that were analogies for life it taught me how to make a plan how to set a goal how to follow a plan accomplish the goal make adjustments you know deal with not achieving goals and how to how to deal with that a lot of those things so it it really teaches some great habits for life you know I, I think as a manager I'd always if somebody applied poor job and they're a bodybuilder who's, who's doing well, I would hire them in
0: an instant because I know their work ethic and I know their process. That's excellent. That's really cool. And I actually never thought about bodybuilding from that sort of uh, perspective, but so thank you for sharing that. That's actually really <laughs> interesting. Uh, my brain's going like a mile a minute right now. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And so from my observations – with bodybuilding and just like I said, as a spectator, I'm really not, uh, as versed in the world, um, as a, I want to be, but I'm more versed than I was, you know, two years ago. Uh, what's the current state of bodybuilding? I know that if we look at Arnold and Franco Colombo from Pumping Iron, their bodies look completely different than, um, the guys, you know, the big guys we have competing now, the Phil Heaths, the Kai Greens, the Ronnie Coleman's?
1: So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we are, we're definitely in a, we're in a state of evolution. And I think evolution is a better word than transition. Um, because when we look at bodybuilding now, in the bigger picture, beyond just pro men's open bodybuilding, you know, we have got, I think seven total divisions, eight divisions, something like that with men and women. So the, the whole definition of bodybuilding has changed. Um, I I had someone call me from, I can't say who, but a major TV show called me the other day, and they said, I, I want to follow uh, some female bodybuilders at your show, and we want to put it on our TV show. And uh, I said, firstly, do you know what that means? And she's like, well, oh, you know, you know, those big chicks, you know, uh, uh, it's not like that anymore. It's evolved. And so on the, especially on the women's side, it's evolved in a beautiful direction. Um, and it continues to evolve in a beautiful direction. They've recalibrated, um, to what it's done, what, what women's bodybuilding did for females was disastrous. It taught, it made them believe that if they went to the gym and they picked up a weight, that they would turn, they would get an androgenic face, <laughs> Yeah. and they would look like a man. And so they are so afraid of that. And, and as a man, I'm like, I I wish it was that easy. It's not that easy. I spent 20 years. I still <laughs> almost... <laughs> um But with the you know bikini and figure and even women's physique, these girls have seen that. Oh, this is awesome. Um, they can actually look the way they want to look, and they can look the way that uh, no amount of cardio will ever get. So now we've created this awesome, healthy, uh, for the most part healthy uh, culture with, on the women's side. Now back to your question on the men's side. Um, yeah, you know, everybody knows Arnold came out last year and said, "You guys look like Coke bottles," and it needs change. You guys, you know, the guts aren't any good, and and uh, it's getting out of control. The aesthetics are gone, and it's true, you know. And especially when you when you stand where I stand backstage, and you see everybody hit a, a rear lat spread. And you can see all their stomachs from my my vantage point, they're like, This this is the pinnacle of aesthetics. <laughs> you know. Um uh, but this year, you know, Arnold came out and said that, and basically uh Weinberger has reflected it in his judging, and you know, having just been to Arnold Australia, I watched Ty Green, you know, he got first place, and his midsection was much tighter than I've ever seen it. Could it be tighter? Absolutely. And if I had been judging, I would have given it to, uh, uh, oh crap. I forgot Who We got a second. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe I'm drawing a black. I like stayed at the same hotel as him. Uh, Cedric, Cedric McMillan. There we go. Uh, so Cedric and his, his aesthetics were awesome. Uh, um, his midsection was where it should be. Uh, and it was kind of like when you looked at the two physiques, you go, all right, Kai has muscles where normal human beings don't have muscles. I don't know how he got them there, but they're there. And, and it's freaky and scary and cool. And then you got Cedric, who is an uh, extremely aesthetic physique. And which one do you really choose? And it, 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 it's a hard decision. Any reasonable person could have put Kai in first or Cedric in first. But the fact that Cedric with that physique came in second says a lot. You know, he came in second to Arnold Columbus, too, and said a lot. That's a direction. Everybody knows. You see more on social media. You see vacuums now. People are all practicing their vacuums. They're working on bringing in their mid-sections. And so it's going back in the right direction. And, and on that, so they're they're, make, they're making aesthetics a priority. And I, I got to give props to, to Arnold for starting that, to Jim Mannion for being open to listening to that, and for Steve Weinberger to be open to listening to that. And they're doing the same thing on the women's side. They realize if you look at Nicole Wilkins five years ago compared to uh, Latoya Watts today, they're completely different physiques. And what's happening is figures started to turn into women's physique. And so they got to pull that back a little bit too. And they're doing it. We saw it already at the New York Pro. The bikini girls who were shredded, they got marked out. You know, So we're seeing it all kind of shift back to where it should be, which is going to be healthier for everyone. And when it's healthier for everyone – more people see it as attainable and something that they want as part of their life. You know, if you got to be huge and ugly and pump yourself full of drugs, nobody wants that in their life. It's not good for anybody. So it's absolutely going in the right direction. And, and thank God for the leaders in our industry for being open to to those kind of critiques and for be able to critique themselves and make those changes.
0: Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And that's a good way of – that's a good – way for the industry to self-regulate when you when you realize something is going the pendulum is swinging too far in one direction let's bring it back to try to find some equilibrium yeah absolutely so let's talk mpc west because that is coming up here uh it is june 18th correct correct Yep. excellent and it is in riverside
1: Riverside, California. It's typically called the NPC West Coast. Um, it was formerly the uh, West Coast Classic. And I um, I competed in it last year. And I I got to see, you know, how it was being run. And I got to see Lonnie Teeper, who owns the, the shows, his passion and how much he cares about everybody, but also how much difficulty he was having in making it be the show he wanted it to be. Um, you know, and i I've, I kind of, I came to him after the show and said, let me help you. And it was a lot of, uh, in negotiation essentially with him because it, in, in his mind, he's, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Kind of, you know, he's also nervous about change. But I, what I did to be honest was I, I wrote him a check. I go, here's your profit for next year. I know the show hasn't even happened yet, but here's your profit. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is my guarantee so you've already made more money and the show isn't for another year and you've made more money than you did in 2015. And so he's like, okay. And I said, if you, if, if if my, if you want this to be successful, we have to follow my business model it has to be exactly my business model. And so he, he got that. Obviously he had the security, the cash in his pocket and, um, and I flipped everything on its head. You know, we moved it to Riverside, uh, beautiful, theater. It was built in 1929 um, and completely refurbished to just a, an amazing uh, venue, both for the spectator, but also for the competitor. You know, Obviously, when I look at a, a space, it has to have ample pump-up room, ample makeup rooms, bathrooms. You know, A lot of the things that you see in a lot of major shows right now that they don't even have bathrooms backstage, or you're pumping up in the grass out back, or there's no um, climate control. It's ridiculous. It's disrespectful. And those are things that I uh, I care deeply about. I want them to have an amazing experience. And part of that is also I think about how they um, what their experience is from the moment they arrive. I think about their hotel check-in experience. I think about what 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 they do next. You know, so the hotel has to be very close to the venue. It has to be walking distance. I don't want them to have to drive. They can barely think. You know, I get these phone calls. These kids are not real smart when they're, <laughs> when they're going carved down. Uh, so I want to make sure they're well taken care of. And, uh, and we take care of them every step of the way. And that's what we've created. And that's why we chose Riverside because it's got an awesome little downtown. Uh, we've got an after party at one of the local, uh, speakeasies, basically, uh, a cupcake shop, restaurants, you name it. So
0: that's excellent. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this show. I love going to bodybuilding shows. Uh, Mostly because I love seeing athletes, any athletes, uh, perform at the top of their game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's looking like we're going to have a lot of quality athletes. You know, we're five weeks out. We have over 130 registered already. So already it's a bigger show than last year.
0: Excellent.
1: Um, Five weeks left. So, yeah, we'll end up with 250, 300, which which will make it one of the biggest shows in Southern California. Oh, wow. Wow. also, the sponsors that jumped on, you know, it was originally going to have, you know, 10 booths in the lobby. Uh, we're up to like 35 now, and we ended up, there's an expo hall adjacent. So, we have an expo hall. Um, it looks like we're going to end up 40 booths by the time uh, the show comes around. Seminars, Jay Cutler is going to be there doing a seminar. We're at posing clinics. Um, Jay Cutler is going to be part of the show, too. We have some fun things planned uh, that I'll be announcing later.
0: Excellent. That sounds really cool. Uh, one of my favorite things about going to any sort of uh, event or expo is usually the panels mm-hmm. um, and the, the seminars. Yeah. I went to the Nutrition Expo West that was out in Anaheim. And just some of the panels and hearing people talk about what's going on in specific industries is really one of the funnest parts of shows for me.
1: Yeah, that makes sense you know the other options are, are cruising around trying to get free supplements <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want a little more than that definitely those seminars become important and uh now I'm, I'm excited that it, it ended up growing it wasn't part of the original plan end up growing it wasn't part of the original plan to grow this quickly
0: this big but uh the market demanded it so we'll take it hey <laughs> okay, there you go uh I mean, I'm assuming that this is this growing faster than expected. This is all good things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I try to be, I try to control the growth, you know, so that it's reasonable. Um, you know, the legacy people go, well, when are you going to bring it to the UK? When are you going to bring it to Florida? When are you going to bring it to the Middle East? And whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, we, can't, we don't want to grow too fast. We want to make sure the business model is solid. And then we, uh, but we always make sure that we bring a better package
0: Yeah. And you want to make sure you keep the integrity of what you've built. Absolutely. You know, that's that I
1: I see um, opportunities to lose integrity at every corner. Uh, You know, not everybody in this industry does things on the up and up, and some, and they expected that of me as a promoter. And, uh, you know, I won't have it. I just won't have it in my shows. You know, I got a call the other day. It was um, basically a schmo produces kind of like fetish muscle stuff, you know, women's fetish muscle stuff. And he's trying to act like he's media and I'm like, you know, what, bro, I don't want you anywhere near this thing. You know, that's not the kind of – my athletes are to be respected. They're not to be treated as fetish porn. Sorry, bro, you're out.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's – A, I think that's perfectly freaking reasonable. Right. <laughs> um, but it's always – you always have to watch out for the person who's trying to take advantage of what you're doing. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a shame that we have to always keep that in the back of our mind.
1: Yeah. It's life, man. You know, you can say it's the industry, but it's every industry. Everybody's trying to get one up on
0: you. And oh yeah,
1: it's just part of being a human in, in our society today. No,
0: and and I think, like you said, it can happen anywhere.
1: Yeah. No. But you know, there's bad apples everywhere, and you know, just hopefully the management uh, has the ability to identify them and help remove them.
0: Yeah. So. That's so um, one last time, NPC West Coast, June 18th, Riverside, California. Um, I will include a link to where everyone can buy tickets if they want to attend. Is it, it is open to the public, I'm assuming. Yeah, it
1: sure is open to the public. And, uh, you know, if you're not in California, you can't make it. It is also um, going to be live web stream. Uh, so fortunately, we've had an awesome sponsor come in. They're called. They're a new sponsorship company called Car Fitness. C A R R Fitness and uh they have underwritten the web stream so everybody gets to see it for free.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Um I'm gonna have to talk to you a little bit more about that uh when we go off the air here. Yeah, sure. But uh I've already kept you for a decent amount of time, so in beginning to wrap up, do you have a go to fitness resource or app, something like that, that helps you uh stay with your goals?
1: Uh, you know, it's that spreadsheet I created. That's really yeah. I, I wish I could give you something other than that. But I just don't trust most other people's data. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I trust my own and, uh, and I've had a lot of success with it. So there you go. My go to. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And where can people connect with you or the NPC West Coast or any of the other shows you do?
1: If you type in the name of anything I do, including my own name, it's that's the name of our uh, social media. So Chris Minnis on so on uh, Facebook, NPC West Coast on Facebook, Instagram, of course, the Frignal Legacy, and Tahoe Show. It's all just like that and easy to find.
0: Excellent. Perfect. To cap things off, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening to the Dumbos and Dragons podcast?
1: Yeah, I'd say work your ass off. If somebody out there is trying to work harder than you and make sure that they're not putting in one minute more time than you because you're going to be one minute ahead if you've worked out much more.
0: That is awesome, and I think that's something everyone should take to heart. Chris, thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely.
1: It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. For everyone out there listening, uh, check us out on the show notes. You get links to everything that we've talked about here today. Hopefully, I'll see everyone at the MPC West Coast Next month. Other than that, work out nerd out, everybody. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right.
1: Wild. players love my style at my table getting wild got these schemes a plot got my map and my cloak got these players heads a-popping someone get me more coke hell yeah Rebel
0: I'm a level 30 ranger, I've been playing for a while